are listening to the AI with Maribel Lopez podcast, or AI with ML. If this is your first time listening, thank you for joining. The AI with ML podcast is produced bi-weekly with occasional bonus episodes. This podcast shares the stories of the people behind the new world of data and AI. What are they creating and why does it matter? If you like this episode, please subscribe so you can easily find the podcast again. You can also share your feedback and ideas with me on Twitter and LinkedIn. All links are in the show notes. Extended show notes can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. I hope you'll enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm Maribel Lopez and I am joined here with Aday Adewumi. She is the strategy and advising manager at Cloudera Fast Forward Labs. And as always, I'm thrilled to be talking to another great uh, woman in tech leader. And maybe to get started, we can start by talking about what Cloudera Fast Forward Labs is and what you do there. Yes, of course. Um, thanks so much for having me, uh, Maribel. I've been looking forward to, to spending some time chatting with you. Um, yeah, so Cloudera Fossilwood Labs is an applied machine learning research group within Cloudera, Cloudera being the, the hybrid um, and multi-cloud solution provider. Um, and our mission at um, Fossilwood Labs is to empower enterprise data science practitioners to apply emergent academic research um, anything that they think is relevant to them, um, to apply that um, academic research in an enterprise setting, so to production machine learning use cases in a really practical but also socially responsible way. Um, essentially, it's about um, helping organizations get the most from their uh, machine learning um, investments and definitely the most out of the their investment in the Cloudera ecosystem. Well, I know everybody is actually spending a great deal of time trying to figure out how they optimize their investments. One of the things that I'm always interested in, though, is how people happened upon their career. I know mine was not a very linear route, but how did you get involved in the AI field? Yeah, um, I should I should have said also what it is I do in the AI field. So I work with um, Cloudera Fast Forward, um, and our focus is on applied um, uh, machine learning research. But the other thing we do is um, support organizations through professional services, and that's the side I work on. So day to day, I help our customers um, get the most out of their their investments by helping them develop their machine learning strategies or helping them develop um, machine learning applications. Um, or just the ML ops strategy so that once they get those applications into production, they can keep them um, in continuous production. Um, so that's what I do. Um, and I started out um, studying computer engineering. So that's why I studied at, at uni. And then I started my career in, in telecoms. And that was a lot of fun. I got to be involved in all sorts of things, everything from user acceptance testing through to product development, through to um developing, contributing to technical standards um, with bodies like 3GPP. Um, but then at some point during that during that period, um, Web 2.0 was spreading into the mobile space. Um, and I was just increasingly curious about the development of digital products, um, but also um, services and digital transformation of, of organizations um, 
um, themselves. Um, now, this coincided with the UK government um, exploring digital transformation of UK public services. And so it just seemed like a really good place um, to get to see this technology that was just taking off, just becoming ubiquitous, becoming increasingly accessible via via mobile, um, seeing it being applied to solving big problems. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I moved into the public sector. Um, I got to work on development of digital services and doing that at scale, um, as you can imagine, for, for public services. Um, and then doing that just kind of opened up the door to to gleaning insights from data. Um, and then I got to I got to explore the systems that we could use to do that well. Um, and it was a really great move for me because I got firsthand experience of the messiness of enterprise data. And I also got a chance to to work on data infrastructure that was capable of supporting just a wide variety of data centric products, machine learning, um, AI being one of them. And the potential there was just was so obvious and so, so great and so exciting. Um, but also the, the difficulties and the risks associated with it, too. Um, yeah, and it just made it such an ex uh, exciting um, avenue to explore. And so that was my move into into AI. And I moved not long after, moved um, back into the into the private sector, um, worked uh, different places, and then um, found my way to, to Cloudera. I love that you started some of that with the discussion of the messiness of data. Mm. So because it is messy and it continues to get more complex in some ways as we move to, as we move toward what now I think everybody calls edge computing. It started out as machine to machine and IOT and basically the concept of connecting a lot of devices and bringing in a lot of data. But I think now the, the, is there are all different kinds of data streams with you know different needs in terms of when they need to be analyzed when that insight needs to be delivered so i know one of the challenges that organizations are having is understanding where to focus their resources mm -hmm. i know that you are working with many different types of companies to practically apply apply ai which i think is you know, the, the practical application of AI is actually part of the issue. We've kind of gotten out of the sci-fi discussion where people don't believe AI can do things, and now they're really excited about it. But sometimes they think it can do too much. Sometimes they don't think it can do enough. So what's a, what's a common problem that you see most companies struggling with right now in the AI field? I love the way you frame that because I think those discussions are happening in the public sphere, but they're also happening within organizations. So this is a, a really pertinent question. Um, I don't think there is a, a single problem that's common to all organizations when it comes to the application of AI. Having said that, I do think there are issues that are commonly experienced at different maturity levels within an organization's machine learning journey. So to, to make this a bit more practical and think of an example, um, a common approach that is adopted by organizations um, when they're at the very early stages of their journey is to kind of let a thousand flowers bloom um, when it comes to their proof of concept. And there's a good rationale for this. This isn't a ridiculous thing to do. It's the, the rationale as well. If you, if you make the bar for qualifying use cases, machine learning use cases, if you make that bar low enough, then you get to test out a lot of ideas. Um, it allows you to reach out to pretty much every part of the, 
the business um, and you get to kind of demonstrate to them the potential benefits of AI. And then the hope is, you know, they see the opportunity and then they're, they've, they become very enthusiastic about it, which is great. Um, but if you're not careful, if this isn't carefully managed, what you can end up with is a situation in, in which you have loads of POCs um, that kind of fall into two categories. They're either low business value, so it doesn't spark the enthusiasm that you're you're seeking or that you are after, or you get reasonable business value, but there's no realistic path to production. Um, so the 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 risk or the challenge, the reason this happens is because you've adopted a model that prioritizes the model development step. And doing that means that the the data teams, these in-house data teams, or even your your external partners, um, if you if you've brought someone in to help you do this, they don't get the chance to explore other parts of the machine learning lifecycle. So the production challenges aren't identified and they're not accounted for upfront. Um, and then that means that even if you get something that is a reasonable value and you know the organization is enthused and they want to do it you then come to to start thinking about production and there's no feasible path um and so this is one of the the major reasons i've seen um for for organizations um pocs just kind of withering on the vine so that's at the early stages and then there there are problems that I see that are more common to to the intermediate level of maturity, shall we say? Um, and here, the more common challenge um, relates to honing um, MLOps practice so that they can better manage these models once they're in production. Um, in fact, um, myself and a colleague wrote uh, a white paper. Um, we published it last year. It was called um, "Blueprint for Continuous Operations for P- Production Machine Learning," which is um, which just rolls off the tongue. Um, but we, our focus here, <laughs> our, focus, our focus was um, helping organizations kind of explore um, these very real life challenges um, and also just kind of why it might happen. And then, you know, what remedies you could, you could, um, you could pursue to try and address those problems. Um, and the reason is that it's not uncommon for organizations um, who were early adopters, early investors in machine learning to take a really ad hoc approach to building and productionizing their models. This is not, I have no criticism of that. I think there are very good reasons for doing this. Um, If you started doing machine learning a few years ago, there was no best practice that you could draw on. So it made sense to take a very agile, very ad hoc approach. Um, But the, the, the challenge is that once you get a few of these models into production, the the cost, the the cost of of keeping them in production, of maintaining them, actually becomes quite significant, and it's a real burden on your 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 in house team. And this is it is at this kind of intermediary stage, so middle you know middle of the road in terms of your maturity, your machine learning maturity. This is where that pain point starts to starts to hit, um, because now you have either technical debt to pay down, or you can't. It's so labor intensive to maintain these models that you then have a backlog. You can't easily get new models into production, um, which is frustrating because if you've made the case for machine learning, the organization is getting some value out of it. You want to be able to do that even more, um, not then say, oh, we can't we can't manage the additional demand. Um, and then for organizations who are at a, a more um uh, a more advanced stage it's it's kind of a an evolution of the uh, of the this the problems for the intermediary um organizations in terms of um 
machine learning maturity because what they they tend to be focusing on or the challenges they're grappling with um, are are the same in terms of they're thinking about the ML ops, but really here they're thinking about efficiency and scale. Um, they're grappling with issues like, okay, how do I integrate um, these machine learning ap- um, applications into large legacy software systems? Because again, you don't get value from machine learning until it's in production, until you've integrated it with with business processes and applications that are actually serving the business. And so this integration with um, legacy software is one that larger organizations um, are beginning to, 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 to worry about. So you're not, you're not always introducing machine learning into a greenfield setting where there was nothing before and you can map this out as you'd like. So those are some of the things that I see happen at different levels within organizations. It, It makes total sense. And I was actually going to ask you, about advice for companies. And I think you actually framed it well with the different levels of maturity and started to speak a little bit to the advice. So perhaps I can ask you a slightly different question, which is around maybe we could start, particularly for those that are more at the beginning of their journey of defining what ML ops is. You know, so we've had uh, DevOps, and I know a lot of people are throwing around the concept of AI ops in general, and then there's ML ops. So, definitionally, when you speak to people, what do you say that is? So, um, I try and make a distinction from um, from DevOps um, only because DevOps is rooted in um, traditional software engineering practice, um, and I think I, I talk of ML ops because it is. DevOps plus, <laughs> it is DevOps plus um, plus this dynamic um, variable, which is the the data. Um, so it is very similar in that you are thinking about how are you doing um, continuous development, how are you doing continuous integration, um, how are you ensuring that um, you're you're testing. Um, um, your ability to to test any new new code you're deploying. How do you make sure that all of that works? Um, so they're very similar in that way, but then with the additional challenge of um, dynamic data. So when I think of when I talk about um, MLOps, I talk about um, the process of getting these models into production and keeping them in continuous um, in continuous operation. So very often when we talk about um, uh, the the last mile. Um, it used to be the case that the last mile was, oh, how do we get these models into into production? Which is the challenge that many organisations at the beginning of their journey are thinking about. But increasingly, um, organisations are are waking up to the realisation that you you need to worry about what happens post deployment. So once you get these models into production, how do you maintain? those models? How do you make sure that you can account for performance drift? How do you make sure that you can account for, for changes to um, to the underlying data? Um, how do you make sure that you are able to meet your compliance requirements? So if a regulator, if you're in a very regulated industry, if a regulator is asking you um, for issue is asking you for some degree of explainability um, or never mind the regulator, even your customers um, as they are increasingly um, legally able to do asking you for an explanation as to an automated decision that your, that your, your AI system has made being able to support all those things are all part of 
um, MLOps. And with that, obviously, things like monitoring and stuff like that, because you need to be checking these very dynamic um, components in your in your ecosystem. That absolutely makes sense to me. And I think one of the, you know, this is this is the difference between doing proof of concepts and operationalizing a set of technologies within an organization. And that is such a critical shift. And we're getting to that faster. So thank you for sharing some of your concepts on that. And you spend a lot of time looking at what's going on in the field. Are there any AI projects that excite you right now? Um, so not so much projects. I, I, I think the nature of um, of machine learning and where we are in, yeah, where we are with regards to, to this um, technological application, I think is such that there's something new coming out <laughs> every day, every week, it feels like. Um, but I think the, the thing that is um, really exciting me is... Um, is this capability MLOps, um, and to some degree the 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 tooling and infrastructure that has sprung up to um, to support it? And at the moment, that this is a bewildering, um, huge um, set of, of of tools and and infrastructure to do that. But what is really exciting um, to me is how organizations are beginning to think about the the standardization of their processes so yes there are all the, these tools and that's really exciting and you know i work at cloudera so um i i am really excited about how our our software can support um everything from experimentation through to post-deployment monitoring um and how to do this in a way that that is really helpful for teams um but working with organizations um, and advising them on their MLOps strategies, I'm just really excited about how this is helping organizations think about um, machine learning as part of their their wider business. So this isn't something that's happening just in the corner over there. This is something that, you know, you are having to pull into your into your day-to-day businesses, um, your day-to-day business operations. And I think that's really important, firstly, because that's where value happens, right? The the point of this isn't just that it's really exciting and very cool. It's that it is adding value to the business. And that doesn't happen unless it is actively influencing and impacting those business operations. But also that it is making organizations think about cross-functional teams, so this isn't something that, you know, you have a data scientist doing over there. It is something that you're having to think about, well, where is my data engineer in this? Um, where, how does this, um, what is the the interaction with the, the product management um, within my organization? That's if you're, you're building these, these tools in-house. You're also beginning to think about how do I bring compliance into this? Because the last thing we want is to build something only to be told by our, our compliance team that, this doesn't meet the requirements, um, regulatory requirements for our industry. Um, and all of this in like in conjunction with the, the business owner of this. And that for me is really exciting. It, it demonstrates a real um, maturing of machine learning that we are beginning to grapple with the same types of problems that we've had and have well-established practices for in software development, in traditional software development. Um, so this is the thing I'm really excited about. It's how organizations 
understand this, how they standardize these processes, how they begin to to lock some of these things down, not to kill experimentation, but to actually make this far more reproducible, to make it more cost effective, to actually get it to to deliver value. Um, And then how they pick the tools they need on the basis of what those standardized operating practices are, rather than, oh, there's this cool tool that does something within the machine learning lifecycle. How do I apply it? I love it. That makes total sense to me. And I think that we have so many great opportunities ahead of us. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do next today. What I would like to do though, before I let you go, is there's the bonus question. And I'm wondering if there is a book, a podcast, an activity, it doesn't have to be technically related, um, that you'd like to refer to the audience. Oh, oh, there are so many. <laughs> There's so many. Um, well, unsurprisingly, I guess, um, the first port of call that I would I would recommend for good material about machine learning capabilities and and the like would be um Cladera Fast Forwards blog. Um we we release in-depth research reports um and uh, applied machine learning prototypes that demonstrate these capabilities. And I think they're worth checking out and they're available on our on our website. Um, I think beyond content and artifacts that are produced by Cloudera, um, I, I really um, enjoyed recently um, reading a report by the Algorithmic Justice League. Um, and they released a report looking into the use of bias bug bounties, um, um, algorithmic bias bug bounties, that is. So applying the, the tradition of bug bounties that's used for, uh, in um cybersecurity, for example, but applying that to to um, algorithmic um, developments and automated decision-making. And I found that really interesting. I, a number of reasons. It, it kind of touches on it, that thing I was talking about, about the maturing of machine learning, where we're thinking about what are the outcomes, not just what did we intend to happen, but what are the potential outcomes? And I think ideas and strategies like, can we apply tried and tested um um, practices and artifacts from other um, other technology uh, uh, other technologies can we apply that here is is a really is a really good one and yeah it just got me it got me thinking uh, and it was just a, a really well written report so I can recommend that one too and if nothing else the name is super cool I mean the <laughs> algorithmic justice league seriously because I'm really interested in in AI ethics, um, when I saw their name, I was like, "This is such a cool name." Oh, it totally is, and I just have visions of like you know Marvel or DC Comics style sketches of the folks on the cover of the report. But we'll work on that. That'll be something <laughs> that we can help them out with at a later date. Thank you so much for your time and insight. It's been truly a pleasure. Very interesting content about what's going to be happening next in the space. So. Thank you again for sharing your time. And I hope I'll see you again on a future podcast. Me too. Thanks so much, Marvel. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening. Show notes, subscription links, and additional content can be found at AIwithML.com slash podcasts. Until next time, wishing you all the best. <laughs> <laughs>